Hey, come on, Go Church family. Can I get 100 people who love Jesus make some noise? Come on, right here, right now. Let's go, let's go. Listen, I got a lot of faith for today. I got a lot of expectation for today. I don't think you're here by accident, by the way. I believe the Lord kind of set you up to be here. And so I pray that whatever it is you need in the Lord, that the Lord meets you right at the point of that need. Can I get a good amen? So let me say good morning to all of you in this room. This is our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. From this location, we live stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlanta campus, our Montgomery County, Maryland location, and then everybody watching online, whatever campus you're a part of today at Go Church, we love you, we're glad you're here. We love people to life, and uh, it's a joy to be your pastor. Come on, can we greet one another? Put your hands together. Say hello to your brothers and sisters at all of the campuses. Come on, come on, come on. And then we do this every week. We pause to give honor to the men and women serving in the military all of our veterans as well, and first responders. If that's you at every campus, we wanna show you some appreciation. Would you put your hand up for just a moment? Military men and women, first responders, and can we, come on, high praise right here. High appreciation, come on. Take your volume up just a little, just a little. Come on, God bless you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna jump right in today. So I want you to find something to take notes with. At every a seat in front of you or near you, there's a, a blank message note card. If you need something to take notes with, if you've got your journal, you can access that. If you want to use your phone to take notes today, we just encourage you to put it on Do Not Disturb or uh, put it on airplane mode. That'll help too. But take some notes today. Uh, we're going to kick off uh, season two of a series that we did a couple months ago called Binge the Bible. And this series is really unique because it's the longest running series that we'll ever do at Go Church up to this point. So for the next 10 Sundays, come on, all summer long, we're gonna be studying together through the book of Acts. And so we're calling this season two of Binge the Bible. If you weren't here for the first season, you can go back online or YouTube or mygochurch.com and check out season one. But in season two, for the next 10 Sundays, we're looking at the book of Acts together. So if you miss for any reason, maybe you've got some summer plans, We've got some travel plans. That's not a problem at all. We archive all of our messages online, and you can also join us on Sundays, even from the beach or the lake. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? So we hope that you're a part of the series, whether in person or online. So let's pray. You pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. I always like to take 10 seconds because you've had a crazy week. You're probably going to have a crazy week. Come on now. So I want to take 10 seconds, allow you to kind of focus your thoughts, your attention on the Lord. Here's the prayer that you should be praying in these 10 seconds. Lord, I speak against distraction. I'm here. You're here. So speak to me. After 10 seconds, I'll pray for you. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, three more seconds here. Let's just pause. All my life, Lord, you've been faithful. And all my life, you've been so good. Lord, even in the darkest moments, even in the lowest moments, even in my suffering, you are still sovereign. And you are still good. 
and you are a promise keeper of your word that tells us that you work all things together for our good. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would anoint me as the messenger of this moment for this church in this hour. Lord, I don't stand on this stage on any given Sunday to pretend like I know it all. I am as much of a student of the Word of God as anybody else. But you've chosen me for here and now to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I need you to anoint me. I pray that you give me clarity of thought and mind and speech, strengthen my body, and that you would also anoint every listener. Open their spiritual eyes, open their spiritual ears, open their hearts to receive whatever you would speak to us. And I pray that at the end of this gathering today, that this just wouldn't be a bunch of information that was shared, but that there would be transformation. Come on. That you would do a transformational work through the power of the Holy Spirit and that every single one of us, JC included, we would leave different than how we walked in. We would leave different than how we came because that's the kind of God that you are. You turn things around. Come on. So we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. And I pray, Jesus, that you would speak to us right here and right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of the family of God said amen and amen. And I want you to give Jesus the best praise you've got right here. Come on, let's go. Really good. Come on. I mean, what about worship today? My goodness, man. Hey, I want you, again, let's take some notes. We're going through the book of Acts. Uh, I hope that today is, again, not just information, but you do experience transformation. I'll be honest with you. This is going to be in the next 40 minutes like drinking water from a fire hydrant. And you'll see real quickly why we determined that this series needed to be at least 10 weeks long. So I'm going to give you an introduction to the book of Acts that will really set up an outline for the next 10 weeks, but I'll also rest on Acts chapter number one. So if you want to open up your scripture to Acts chapter one, if you have your Bible with you or if you have your smartphone that's got the Bible app or the Go Church app, you can access the Bible there. I'll make the scripture references available on the screen, but we're going to go through a lot of the book of Acts today. Some introduction and then specifically I will walk through almost all of the first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1. And you'll see in specifically verse number 8 how the scripture gives us a beautiful outline for the rest of the book of Acts. And then really our responsibility for those who are in the faith, those that are following the way of Jesus, kind of our purpose in God's plan for our lives today. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. Come on, in the words of T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. That's the best I can do, by the way, so there it is. All right, here's what we know. We know that the author of the book of Acts is St. Luke. Now, let me say it to you like this. We know that the author of all of the books in the Bible is God. Can you say amen to that? We've talked about that before. We believe that, that God wrote his word, but man held the pen. So here in this particular book, it was Luke who was writing from his perspective and experiences of the ministry of Jesus. Now, now, we don't know a whole lot about Luke, but here are a few things we do know. At one time, because Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke, at one time, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts was one singular book with two volumes to it. Over time, it was separated into 
two unique books in, in, the, in the scriptures. We know according to Colossians chapter four, verse number 14, that Luke was a doctor, that he was a physician. And oftentimes when you read about the miracles of Jesus from Luke's perspective, it's interesting because you have a doctor that practiced and believed in medicine when he saw the miracles of Jesus realizing and recognizing that God can do what man and medicine can't do. Well, three of you said amen, that's good, all right. We know that he was a physician, we know that he was a Gentile, simply by his name, Luke. What does Gentile mean? Being a Gentile meant that he was non-Jewish, he wasn't a Jew. And then when you read books like Philemon, verse 24, or 2 Timothy, chapter four, we learned that he was a devoted travel companion to the Apostle Paul. So as Paul went on his ministry journey, he didn't go alone. How many of you know that life is better when you do it with friends? Come on, can you testify to that? Now, traditionally speaking, and, and if you look at your, your scripture now, at the beginning of the book of Acts, you may see that traditionally speaking, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. And while there's a lot of truth to that, because there are multiple apostles that are mentioned within the book of Acts, We'll talk about two of these apostles specifically, uh, Simon Peter and then, and then Paul. I think more accurately though, when you read the book of Acts, you'll see that the only unifying characters in this whole book is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So I think more accurately, it's not just the Acts of the Apostles. I think that you could rightly call it the Acts of Jesus and the Spirit. Because even in Luke it's writing of the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, verse number one, we see the ministry of Jesus being continued. Let, let me show you what I mean here. Acts one, verse one. Again, we're gonna walk through all 11 verses, the first 11 verses of Acts chapter one, and then I'll show you how Acts is broken out in an outline and in two different places. Watch this. Luke says, in my former book, the gospel of Luke, it's not the gospel of Theophilus, Right, that's his friend. I don't know if you know anybody named Theo. Anybody got a Theo? Come on. Theophilus literally means one who loves God or God lover. So he says, in my former book, telling his friend, I wrote about all that Jesus, highlight this word, began to do and teach. And when you read the Gospel of Luke, it really is the, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And now, for the rest of the book of Acts, we're not reading about the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. We're reading about the continuation of the ministry of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense so far? So this is important for you to know that a lot of scholars believe, and I believe it as well, certainly not a scholar, but I believe that the book of Acts, although it only has 28 chapters, that it is still being written today. Not, not authoritatively speaking through scripture being written, but in real time. See, you and I are the remnant that is responsible of fulfilling the Great Commission, taking the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so you and I are continuing the book of Acts. On the first Saturday of every month, we have first Saturday prayer. And so on the first Saturday, we come together for a time of devotion, worship, and prayer. A couple months ago, my devotion was on Acts chapter 29. There is no Acts chapter 29 except me and you. Does that make sense? So the scripture here in the book of Acts doesn't stop at 28, it continues. And Luke is talking about this, that through the Holy Spirit, we learn about the continuation of the ministry of Jesus 
and also the continuation of the local church. Verse number two, until the day that Jesus was taken up to heaven, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Let me pause right here. So Luke is talking about that after the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross at Calvary, where he shed his innocent blood for all humanity. Anybody grateful for the grace of Jesus? Come on, somebody, okay? That they took his lifeless body from that cross and they buried him in a tomb. But just as scripture had prophesied, it became fulfilled that three days later, up from the grave, Jesus arose. That's good news, you know why? Because the God that we serve is not a dead God, he's not a buried God, he's an alive God. Come on now, don't, hey, I'm only about four minutes in, but I'm, I'm about to get going, come on now. So after his suffering and after his resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples and he gives them overwhelming, convincing proofs that he is not dead, but he is alive, and watch this, and he is alive forevermore. Are you with me? So now Jesus is alive. He appears to the apostles, the disciples. He's performing miracles, signs, and wonders. He's, watch this, walking through walls. Come on, somebody. All in his glorified, resurrected body. And he spends 40 days with them. 40 days with them after his resurrection before he eventually ascend, ascends to heaven. We'll, we'll unpack that here in just a moment. But really what I wanna emphasize here in verses two and three is that after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, do you know how Jesus came back to life? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter eight says that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me and you. Come on and touch somebody and say, you felt that power, go ahead and tell them. Now, here's what I want you to see. After the resurrection of Jesus, here's what the Bible says, that he began to teach them through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's alive in his glorified, resurrected body, but his ministry is leaning not on his own power, but on a greater power, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, I say it like this. This is bad grammar, but it's really good preaching. If Jesus needed to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit, you best bet you too need to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at, hey, look at me. Look at three people near you and say, if Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, I know you enough to tell you you need the Holy Ghost too. Go ahead and tell them that. Tell them, say, you wild, you messed up, you got issues. Go ahead and tell somebody. And if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit in your life as well. Come on. We'll come back to the 40 days. Let's go to verse number four, watch. On one occasion, again, after his resurrection, he was breaking bread with them. This is why I always say eating, eating food is spiritual. Can I get an amen from some hungry folk? And he gave them this command. Don't leave the city of Jerusalem, but I want you to wait for the gift that my father has promised. And it's this gift that you've heard me speak about. Now, let me, let me show you two key words here. The first word is the word wait. So I want you to write that down or circle it in your Bible. And then the second word is the word gift. 
So highlight that or circle it in your Bible. Let me talk about weight for a minute because this is a problem for just about every single one of us. We don't wanna wait on anything. How you know that, Pastor JC? Because I drive on the same road that you drive on and I've passed you before. Come on, somebody. A little road rage because you didn't want to wait. We're so impatient that fast food is not fast enough. Well, that hurt somebody, didn't it? Come on now. We don't want to wait for anything. But how many of you know that good things come to those who wait? The Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Kimberly and I will be married 19 years this October. Come on, somebody. 19 years. I told somebody the other day, it's cheaper to keep her at this point. Come on now. <laughs> cheaper to keep. I was standing in the kitchen the other day, and I was cooking. And I asked Kimberly an honest question. How did you do it? She said, how did I do what? How did you manipulate me over 19 years to get me to do all the cooking? How was it in your sweetness and all that goodness that you worked some magic to figure out, I thought I was training you, but for 19 years, you've been training me. And she just smiled and laughed with a maniacal laugh, you know. Y'all don't know her like I know her. So if I'm gonna do all the cooking, then daddy's gonna cook. Come on, somebody. So I decided that I'm gonna, all, my Instagram is full of two things. Golf, come on, somebody. Shot my best score the other day, but we'll talk about that later. A different sermon for a different day. And food. And the Lord is in both. So I send myself Instagram stories about, you know, how to fix my slice and then how to slice a ham. It's perfect. I found a recipe for smoked barbecue macaroni and cheese. Smoked barbecue macaroni and cheese. And now I have made it three or four times. And let me tell you this, your pastor, <laughs> he has perfected it. The problem, though, is, is that my kids don't want to wait for the smoked macaroni and cheese because there's a process to this mac and cheese. So it starts with going to the store and hand-selecting the right types of cheeses that we're going to bring home and shred ourselves. Can I get an amen from somebody that knows what I'm talking about? We're going to make a homemade roux, and in this roux, we'll put a little bit of milk and a little bit of heavy whipping cream, and then slowly, we'll add in all of the seasonings that if you want them, I'll charge you to give it to you. Come on. Then we'll hand dip each type of cheese into this roux until it becomes this delicious homemade cheese sauce. And then off to the side, I'm boiling water to get my pasta to al dente. And once it's right at al dente, I'll combine the two cheese dip and al dente pasta into a, an aluminum pan, and it'll go on my smoker at 250 degrees for about an hour and a half. Come on, somebody. Then, when you take a bite of my homemade smoke macaroni and cheese, it is slap your mama good. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the one time in your life you will feel the Holy Ghost. But you know what my kids want? Craft. I go through all that trouble and they want craft. But good things come to those who wait. The other word here is the word gift. And I want to emphasize this word because some of you you grew up in, in, a, in a religion or in a faith that taught you that God only has one gift for you. And even if God only had this one gift, which is the gift of salvation, 
that would be wonderful and we would accept this gift. But God is a giver of good gifts, plural. And God doesn't just have one gift for you, although in order to get any of the other gifts, it starts with accepting the free gift of salvation. Can you say amen to that? Come on, saved people, where are you at? Come on. His blood shed for you, his grace is sufficient, his mercy is new every morning. But watch this, why would, why would you stop at one gift if God, the maker of heaven and earth, has multiple gifts for you? Now, in my understanding of my walk with Christ, this is how I view it. God, I want every good gift you have available for me. Even if I don't understand it, even if I can't figure it out, even if I'm a little uh, confused and I gotta study or ask questions, if you were offering me a gift, I want all the gifts. Come on, anybody with me on that? So he gives you not only the gift of salvation, but watch, he says there is another gift, and it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, for John baptized in water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Spirit of God, in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Can we pause right there and say amen? Come on, come on. Well, let me say this. We'll get back. I got a lot of content, but where are you gonna go? Where else could you be than right here? I try my best not to talk about other churches and other pastors because I don't lead those churches and I don't lead those people. Plus, with all y'all, we are dysfunctional at Go Church Enough. Can I get an amen from somebody? I got, I got enough things we're walking through. But I, I wanna make a statement here to build my case about what we believe at Go Church and, and more importantly, who we are. Too many pastors in too many churches don't preach and teach on the person and the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. They, they avoid the book of Acts, they avoid the conversations around the person of the Holy Spirit because they're worried about how people will respond. Let me tell this to you, don't miss what I'm about to say. As your pastor, it is not my job to try to protect you from the scriptures. It is my job to teach you the word and let the word do the work. And if it's in the Bible, if it's in the Bible, then I have a responsibility not just to preach and teach on the parts of the Bible that I think will tickle your fancy, whatever that means. But it's my job to give you the whole truth and nothing but the truth because the truth will set you free. Does anybody appreciate that? Come on. So let me say it to you like this. At Go Church, we are a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, Pentecostal church. It's who we are, and we're unashamed of it. Now, we don't do weird, and we don't do crazy, and I promise you God is my witness that in this little compartment, there is not one snake. There ain't one snake there. You know why? Because those who handle snakes in the Greek, you know what that's called? Stupid. That's dumb, y'all. Ain't nobody got time for that. Can I get an amen? But we do believe that we serve God who is our Father, who gave us His Son, and we can have intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Hey, if we're gonna clap, let's do it well. It's who we are. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because from Genesis to Revelation, the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 800 times in your Bible. Genesis 1.1 and 1.2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was empty and formless and dark. But the Spirit of God, woo, was hovering over the waters. That, that, that Hebrew word for spirit in the Old Testament is the, the word ruach. 
and it means a violent blast of breath. It's, it's how God created the heavens and the earth as he breathed his ruach into the nostrils of man. Then when you get into the New Testament in Acts chapter two, which will be a conversation for next week, we see the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, and it means a blast of breath or fresh air. Let me ask you a question. With all that you've got going, with everything that's happening in your life, does anybody just need some fresh air? Come on. Just a, a wind in your cells to help you get from where you are to where you wanna be? That's me in my life. Now, at Go Church, we don't do weird. People are weird. Can you say amen to that? We don't do weird. We don't do crazy. But Lord, have your way. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Whatever you wanna do, I said this in the beginning, I don't just want you to come here on a Sunday, get a bunch of information, and leave the same way you walked in. I want the Spirit of God to open up heaven, come down on us like tongues of fire that we read about in the New Testament, and do something in us and through us, watch, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store for those who would just believe. Just believe. Everybody good? Two people are leaving, but that's all right. I'm in it. I'm in, I'm in it to win it. That's all right. I hope the Holy Ghost gets you when you walk down that aisle. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. And not, not one more person will go to the bathroom today. I guarantee. And the Holy Spirit will help you hold your pee. Watch. Here we go. Look at verse number eight. Acts one, verse number eight. In verse number eight, what we see is two things. We see Luke's perspective of the Great Commission, why you are alive, right here. And then we also see the entire outline for the rest of the book of Acts. Now watch. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Watch, when the Holy Spirit, when you are, you're all, the only way that you can come to salvation is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. But there is a difference between the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. I'll teach on that over these next 10 weeks. So, But when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the outflow of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said that you will receive power. That Greek word power is the word dunamis, and it's where we get our English word dynamite. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know when you get the Holy Spirit's power because the Holy Spirit's power is far greater than your own natural power. And it's through the Holy Spirit's power that you get a supernatural power that can equip you to do things that you can't do on your own power. Can I get 50 people that would nod at me to let me know that makes sense? And here's what you need the power for is to perpetuate the gospel of Jesus, to evangelize the way. You'll see this in Acts in a moment, that they called Christianity the way, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now watch, you, you can't evangelize Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth on your own power. You need a power greater than your own. Now look at this. It starts, and you'll see it all through the book of Acts, it started in the city of Jerusalem. That's locally. And then he said, what's gonna happen is after the Holy Spirit and the gospel moves in Jerusalem, it'll go to Judea. Well, this is local, that's national. Then it moves to Samaria into Rome, that's international. 
and then it goes to the ends of the earth. That's global. How do we take the gospel of Jesus from our local communities to around the entire world? Only through the Holy Spirit's power. And now watch, let me pause right here. And for the rest of the book of Acts, we see this outline in real time. Let me show it to you. Acts chapters one through seven. You writing this down or taking pictures? Come on. Acts chapters one through seven describes the gospel being spread in Jerusalem, in the local city. Acts chapter eight speaks of the gospel spreading in Judea and Samaria. And then Acts chapters 13, and watch, this isn't a mistake what I'm about to say. Acts chapter 13 through chapter 29, because who, who is Acts 29? It's us. We see the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Is this good? All right, let's go back to Acts chapter one. Everybody got a picture of this? This is the whole outline of the book of Acts, and this is what we'll break down over the next 10 weeks. Now, let's go back to Acts one, verse number nine. After Jesus said this, watch, he was taken up before their very eyes. Now, let's see if you remember. In Acts chapter one, verse three, the Bible said that Jesus spent how many days with his disciples? 40. So this is the 40th day right here. And on day 40, the heavens open and Jesus literally, if I started floating right now, y'all would have a fit. <laughs> He's taken up. And watch, right now today, on June 25th of 2023, Jesus is ascended in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God his Father, sitting on his throne, and Isaiah says he's using this earth as his footstool. What image do you get with that? I'll tell you my image. I see Jesus in a lazy boy recliner with his feet propped up on planet earth. Why does that image bring such comfort to me? because we live in a crazy world. Yet Jesus isn't up in heaven pacing, wiping his brow, wringing his hands. No, he's got his feet propped up on planet Earth because you've got nothing to worry about because one day Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody. After 40 days, Jesus ascends into heaven and the cloud hid from their sight and they did what you and I would do. They watched they were looking at him intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus. I'm gonna do a series one day on those three words. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. I want every campus to read these highlighted yellow words in the second half of this verse. You ready? One, two, three. We'll come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. A couple weeks ago, I did a standalone message on the book of Revelation and end times during our Ask Away series. If you missed it, go back online and listen to it. And that message on the book of Revelation and end times, we talked about the rapture, we talked about the tribulation, we talked about the second coming of Jesus. Now I want you to look at me for just a moment. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. It's the only biblical prophecy yet to be fulfilled. All of the other prophecies have been fulfilled without one error, not one error. So whether we believe it or not, whether we are ready or not, Jesus is coming. And the Bible says this same Jesus, when he comes back, he'll do so in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. 
Let me show this to you. You gotta take a picture because we're gonna move. Watch. So Jesus left physically. I feel the Holy Spirit. Come on now. He will return physically. Jesus left visibly. He will return visibly. Jesus left from the Mount of Olives, so he's gonna return to the Mount of Olives. Jesus left in the presence of his disciples, and guess what? When he returns, he'll do so in the presence of his disciples. And then Jesus left blessing his church, and when Jesus comes back, he'll come back blessing his church. I've been preaching for a minute. Can we pause right here and just thank Jesus? Come on, as you clap, what am I clapping for? I'm clapping for the gift of grace, the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I'm thanking in advance of the inevitable return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Everybody good? If you're good, say I'm good. If you're not good, lie. Come on now. Now watch this. That's Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. Now let me build for you a little bit of an understanding of the whole book of Acts. I don't want this to confuse you, and I hope I, the Lord is helping me to explain it in a way that you can understand and process. But the book of Acts is actually divided into two separate acts. So there is act one, and then there is act two. Does that make sense? Act one is all about Peter's ministry. So that this is, the, this is when you go, you go into Acts chapter two and, and you see this, because in Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost happens. Now again, as you're taking pictures and writing notes, I'll give you a little bit of context here. Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days. Then the disciples, they went to the upper room to fast and pray. They did so for 10 days. Let's see if you're smarter than the other group. 40 plus 10 equals six of you got it. Well done. 50. We call it the day of Pentecost because the Greek word penta means 50. So 50 days after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, the day of Pentecost happened where heaven opened and fire came from heaven, lighting on the disciples. They began to speak in an unknown language called the gift of tongues. The Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost fills the disciples and the New Testament church is birthed. Now I'll give you one example from Peter. Because before the day of Pentecost, before he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what did he promise Jesus that he would do during Jesus' crucifixion? I'll never deny you. And then the first moment that homeboy Peter had to deny Christ, I mean, he completely denounced his friendship and his commitment to the way. And it was around a campfire with a teenage, pimple-faced, adolescent girl. He didn't have enough courage or bravery to admit that he was a follower of Jesus. But now, in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples, Simon Peter gets the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, there is this courage and this boldness that he possesses that he never had before. I'll show it to you. Look at Acts chapter two. This is his first sermon he ever preaches. And the Bible says that Simon Peter comes stumbling out of the upper room he grabs the railing of a two-story apartment building. He looks at a crowd of people that have been waiting on the outside with anticipation, and here's what he says. Hey, we are not drunk with wine like some are in the habit of doing. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't think Peter said this, but he probably was thinking, I don't start drinking until about noon. Come on, somebody. 
It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He said, but we are drunk with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. And he said, and this is fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy in the book of Joel, chapter two, verse 28. In those days, says Joel, God says through him, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. Come on, do you see that? He says, I'm just full of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches his first sermon and he looks at the crowd of people full of the authority of Christ, full of the authority of the Holy Spirit. And he says, all of you are sinners. You must repent and be baptized. Now, how does somebody that can't even admit to a teenage girl that he's a follower of Jesus tell thousands of people that you will end up separated from God for eternity unless you repent of your sin, you accept Christ as your Lord, and you are baptized only through the power of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Watch. And 3,000 got saved. And the book of Acts says, and Christ has been adding to the church ever since. Five seconds right here. Come on and give Jesus the best praise you've got. Come on. All right, if we're going to clap, help me out. Come on, it gives me a break to catch my breath. Come on, somebody. This is all act one of the book of Acts. Peter goes on this preaching mission in, in the city of Jerusalem. And people are getting saved, turning their heart over to Christ, repenting of their sin, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the religious people get angry. They're frustrated. Let me tell you, the more that we preach the truth of God's word, the more angry the world will be at us. All right, but you look at me. If none go with me, still I will follow. Come on, somebody. I'm not turning back. I'm gonna preach the authority of God's word. I'm not building my own kingdom. I'm not building my own platform. I'm not preaching my own agenda. There is only one way to heaven, and it's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross at Calvary. And I love you enough to tell you the truth that if you are living in sin and you do not repent of your sin, then you will stand before God one day as your judge and he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never even knew you. But if you give your heart to the Lord, then you will hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come home. I gotta move, but watch. The music is playing, but we still got a lot of time. Come on, somebody. And the religious people get angry. And they stoned Stephen. This is Acts chapter 7. Watch. Stephen is the first Christian martyr. And when I talk about, look at me, when I talk about stoning Stephen, I'm not talking about Colorado stoning Stephen. Come on, somebody. They took rocks and they murdered him. Watch. They dragged him out of the city. They began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, and while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he had prayed this prayer, the Bible says that he fell asleep. And verse number 60 is the last verse in Acts chapter 7. So the very next verse is Acts chapter 8 verse 1, and here's what it says. And Saul approved of their killing him. 
Saul was a persecutor of Christians. He was a murderer of, of the church. He would find men and women that were following the way and he would throw them in prison or have them killed. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church, where? In Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered to where? Judea. Ooh, don't, don't make me preach that. Jesus said that the gospel would go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. Let me just speak this over your life, that what the devil meant for evil, God will always get good. Come on, somebody. And the religious people thought, we can stone, oh, I'm, we can stone Stephen and shut the mouth of this movement. Devil, you, you listen to me. I'm gonna put you on notice. You can't shut the church down. You can't shut the mouth of believers. Come on. We're taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Come on, somebody. And watch. They stoned Stephen, and the Bible says that all of the disciples were scattered. That Greek word is diaspora. The imagery is a farmer taking seed and scattering it in his farm because he knows that one day he'll reap a harvest. So what? Let me say this to you. So because we are Acts 29, we've all been diasporated. We've all been scattered. So you thought that you got a job promotion and they randomly moved you to Noonan. Maybe that ain't on accident. That's God's divine setup for such a time as this. You've been scattered to Noonan. You got accepted into the University of Maryland. And so you thought, well, I'll just move to Maryland because I got a scholarship. No, 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 no. God, God is not a God of coincidence and accident. Everything that God does is on purpose and for purpose. He is a strategic God and he is scattering people. He is scattering saints all around the globe so that they can testify of the good news of Jesus Christ that he is the way, he is the truth. He is the life, come on. Godly men, they buried Stephen and they mourned deeply for him. Watch verse three. But Saul, he was angry and he began to destroy the church and he went from house to house and he would drag out men and women, he'd throw them in prison. Look at Acts chapter nine right here, verses one, and we're gonna read a bunch, but watch, you'll see the whole story. Saul was still breathing out his murderous threats, coming against all of the disciples throwing them in prison, killing them. So he goes to the high priest and he says to the high priest, he says, hey, I want all of the letters that were sent to the synagogue in Damascus because he imagined that if he could read the letters, he would find out the men and women that wrote about their belief in Christ and then, and then he could take them as prisoners in Jerusalem. Are you with me? So on his way to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, and for those of you that know this story, you know where we're going, watch. He comes near Damascus on his journey and suddenly there is a light from heaven. This flashing of light surrounds him. And Saul falls to the ground and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I love Saul's response because he's a non-believer, he's not a follower of the way, He's a persecutor of the church. He's a murderer of Christians. And yet he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus. I am he whom you are persecuting. And watch. And then he says, get up and go into the city. And can I tell you, whenever you get a spiritual spanking from the Lord, you're gonna remember that. Come on, somebody. 
I'll tell you what to do. And then verse seven, and the men traveling with Saul, they stood there speechless, right? They heard the sound, but they didn't see anything. Saul gets up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they had to lead him by hand into Damascus. And for three days, the Bible says that Saul was blind and he didn't eat or drink anything. Go to verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road to Damascus as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before you clap, let me pause right here. If the Holy Spirit can save, sanctify, and fill Saul, then the Holy Spirit's power can touch anybody. If the Holy Spirit can reach his hands down from heaven and fill JC with grace and mercy, forgiveness and power and turn my life around and give me the authority in Christ Jesus to testify of the good news of the Lord, then he can do that for anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what the enemy defines about you. Your past does not matter. If the Holy Spirit wants to touch you, Holy Spirit, have your way. And watch, I love verse 18 because it's that word immediately. Immediately something like scales begin to fall from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he gets up and he was baptized. Oh, I love it, verse 19. And after taking some food, because your boy was hungry, come on somebody, he regained his strength. One more verse and I'll show you act two real quick, watch. Because I want you to see that in Acts 13, 9, it is Saul who was also Paul who was a murderer of the Christian faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, and God completely transformed his life. And that's act two. It's Paul's ministry. This is the rest of Acts. He goes on these powerful mission trips. They begin to plant churches in Galatia, Thessalonica, Philippi, Ephesus, and Corinth. And in that day and time, they didn't have text messaging and FaceTime and social media. So he wrote them letters. Letters about holiness. Letters about the way. Letters about Christian morality and ethics. And those letters, those 13 letters, Galatians, Thessalonians, Philippians, Ephesians, Corinthians, those 13 letters make up two-thirds of our New Testament. And those letters to those churches are our letters today that teach us how to walk by faith and not by sight, how to have a standard of morality and conviction to live our life for the Lord. So let me summarize it like this, because you're getting tired and I'm getting winded, and I got one more gathering to preach. Come on, somebody. The book of Acts demonstrates what God can do in and through people and in and through his church when we are fully committed to the Lord and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. About two years ago, a guy from this church, this campus, invited me to go to lunch. We sat down at the restaurant. He said, Pastor, he says, got one question. He said, a few times a year in the video announcements or on social media and the website, 
you all advertise water baptism. I said, I don't really understand that because are there any other baptisms? Why do you call it water baptism? And I thought, man, what a great question. And it leads me to this conclusion. There are actually three baptisms for us. The first baptism is the baptism into intimate relationship with Christ, being baptized into the body of Christ. That baptism is an eternal baptism. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Church membership doesn't make you saved. What makes you a follower of Jesus is being baptized into his grace, his mercy, and his truth. And that first baptism is eternal. But then the next baptism is water baptism. That's not an eternal baptism, that's an external baptism. It's where you are displaying a, an outward confession of an inward decision, kind of like my wedding ring. This wedding ring does not make me married. When I wear it, I'm married. When I take it off, guess what? Still married. But this is an outward symbol of a covenant that I've made with Kimberly. So when I wear it, it lets the whole world know, you can't touch this. Come on, I'm called for, I'm taken. So that, this is an external baptism. But then there is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This baptism is not eternal and it's not external, it's earthly. It's the Holy Spirit that will give you power for every day while you're alive on this earth so that you can walk with conviction, strength, and grace, and spiritual maturity. It's this baptism in the Holy Spirit that will give you earth, earthly power, supernatural power, but power for this time on earth so that you can testify and witness and evangelize. So there are really three baptisms. Now, we do baptism one and baptism two really, really well. Every gathering, we give people an opportunity to be baptized into the family of God. And then three or four times a year, we do water baptism where you can go public with your faith. But last summer, the Lord burdened my heart to create an opportunity for those who wanna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So last summer, we started what we call Deeper Nights. It's a three-night revival. This will happen on July 31st. It's the Monday right after the 10th episode in Binge the Bible season two. As soon as we finish the book of Acts, we're doing a three-night revival. Now, who is this for? It's for anybody that wants to be full of the power of God and full of the Holy Spirit. So look, if that's not your thing and you don't want long worship and people preaching and us calling you for prayer and maybe laying hands on you, you don't have to come. Ain't nobody gonna judge you. I'm not coming to your house. You know why? Because I'm gonna be here. I'm, I'm coming because I need a power greater than my own. But if some of you are curious and you're wondering about the power of the Holy Spirit, just mark your calendars. Which by the way, I'm, I would encourage you to get here early because this room is gonna be packed. Because we're living in a, in a day where people are hungry for something more. And more is the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, everybody good for today? Come on, I think that's enough. Can we put our hands together? All right, come on, five seconds. Woo.
Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Campus pastors moving. Pastor David, you come as well. I love you, bud. Proud of you. What's your next step? I'm gonna let Pastor David do this quickly, but let me just give it to you. Some of you need to be baptized into a relationship with Jesus and adopted into the family of God. You need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some of you need to be baptized in water. Water baptism doesn't make you safe, but it's that outward expression of that inward decision. Some of you, many of you, need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with a dunamis power to help you make it every day while you're alive on this earth and to be used for the glory of God for why he created you. We all have a next step. So whatever that next step is, make sure you're inviting the Lord. Lord, I wanna be open to whatever you're calling me to do and I'm trusting you now. As a matter of fact, if that first group is you and you wanna be baptized into a relationship with Christ, you wanna repent of your sin, ask Jesus to be your Lord, I'm counting to three, hands up, one, two, three, come on. Thank you, I see it, one, two, anybody else? Lord, for the two hands that were just lifted, all of heaven rejoicing today. Three, thank you, Jesus. Fill us all with your grace and your mercy. We invite you to be Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Create in me a new heart. Thank you for putting my name in the book of life. And now that I've got the gift of salvation, because I'm repenting of my sin and asking you to be my savior, whatever other gifts are there, I see your hand, thank you. Whatever other gifts are there, I want those too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's go church.